This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Season finale, y'all, coming in hot. This is episode 15 of season eight, episode 123 in all. As always, I am your host, Alex Fitton, here every season bringing stories of hope, restoration, and of course, solidarity to your ears. And this one will wrap it all up for season eight and help us finish 2021 off strong. Today, we get to hear from TikToker Jill Wagner, who has taken that little tiny a little known app by storm with her hilarious dancing, pranking, and of course, loving family and their 1.2 million followers. Um, you guys, she and I sat down and talked about just all the things, including our shared experience of adopting an older kid out of foster care. Uh, it was fantastic. I can't wait for you to hear it. I can't wait to jump in, but first I have to ask you guys one final time for this season to share the episode with your people, wherever you like to hang out. I mean, this is the season of giving after all you guys come on spread the love (laughs) all right let's go chat with jill wagner Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am so excited to be sitting down with my new friend, and um, I think I can say TikTok star, right? Jill Wagner. <laughs> um, you guys have probably seen like fun videos of her kids being hilarious and her looking like the typical teen mom that's just like, oh my gosh, what have I done here? Um, yeah, welcome to the show, Jill. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so just take a second, tell us about you and your family. Okay, so I am just turned 40 in January, so I hit that 40 mark, and um, I am married to my husband, Brian, and we have four kids together. Our oldest is 23, um, middle one just turned 20, and then we have two 17-year-olds, and one of those is um, our adopted child. You have the accidental twins, too. I do, I do, so I related when you were saying that. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we call them the twins and so much that people think, cause they're both white. So like, it's understandable that people would be like, they're twins. Really? And I'm like, well, <laughs> not really, but you don't really get that. Like you get funny because that. I do get it whenever I just say to people, you know, I have two 17 year olds. They're like, Oh, are they twins? And I'm like, Nope. If you'd see them, you know, <laughs> they're not the same color. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. We have, so uh, my husband's name is Brian as well. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, so yeah, lots of similarities there. Um, (laughs) you just turned 40 and you have a 23 year old and you look even younger than 40. So like, you're just doing great. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. you. That's what happens when you start early in life. (laughs) Hey, that's great. Um, okay. So you hinted at your adoption. You told us that you guys have like a whole flock of children in your house. Um, tell us how all of that happened because your story is really unique and I'm so excited for you to share with us. Okay. So interestingly enough, like adoption has always been on my heart ever since I was a young, a young person. And, you know, thinking about our future together, it wasn't really something my husband and I both um, had as on our hearts. It was mainly just on mine. And so as different needs would come throughout the community, not necessarily with foster care, but just different kids that my kids would be friends with, 
I sometimes would bring people into our home. And so it was natural for me just to bring people into our home and to give them a place to stay and that kind of thing. Well, at one point in time, I had brought in a high school girl and she had um, had a baby while she was there with us. And my oldest son just didn't react super well to that because he was in those teenage years. And I, I just kind of felt him withdrawing. So once she moved out, I just decided, you know what? I'll wait until my kids are grown in order to do any anything like this. Mm-hmm. God had a different plan. <laughs> and I can share that with you because through actually the oldest, um, our church was volunteering at a boys home, a residential facility nearby us. And my son was volunteering out there and just getting to know some of the kids. And he actually got to know a boy by the name of Hakeem. And um, he came home and he would talk a little bit here and there about him. And um, then over, it was right the week before Christmas in 2017, he decided that he would, our stories are very similar. (laughs) He decided that he would take um, a Christmas gift out there. And so one of my best friends was also a PE teacher that had had him in class. And so she decided to go out to, to take him a Christmas gift. Well, once they got out there, Hakeem was kind of in a tizzy because Um, they were wanting to move him. He had been in residential care for already a year and a half. He was in foster care ahead of that. And um, as many of you know, sometimes these kids in in the system get tossed around a lot. And he had been tossed around a lot. And so he was in a tizzy. He didn't want to leave because this um, residential home was feeling like his safe place. And so Hakeem was talking to Brandon and Brandon was trying to give him the gifts. And Brandon just said, what if you could come stay with us for a while? And I I don't think Brandon knew the impact of what that would be, (laughs) but Hakeem said, yes, he would love to. Well, then him and Brandon came back into my house and Brandon had these big tears in his eyes. And he said, mom, I'll pay for my own college, but there's a kid we need to help. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And to be completely vulnerable and honest with you, my husband and I were not in a good place in our marriage. We were struggling. And so I knew that if we would make this kind of decision, that it was not a decision that would um, be taken lightly. It was a decision I knew with this, with Hakeem being 13 years old, that it would be somewhere that he would need to be permanently. Mm -hmm. And so actually just talked to my husband and my other kids and just said, you know, like this would not be someone coming to stay with us. Like previously, this would actually be like a sibling for you all. And like, it would be that kind of commitment. If we make this commitment, it's forever. And um, everybody was in agreement. And I think that was just God's perfect timing for our family because everybody was in agreement. We had never even met Hakeem aside from Brandon. So that is a beautiful part of our story because, you know, then all of the fears of what I typically would have had previously, I didn't have in that moment. And I was just praying like I really had a few hours to think about it and pray about it and us get a decision around this. And um so we decided, yep, that's what it was going to be. And so I decided to go out and meet Hakeem um, that day and just ask him if he wanted to. I, I had no idea about him. I, I didn't know what color he was. I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know anything. And not that it mattered to us at all. I just had no idea what he looked like or anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, got out there to go. We had already decided it was going to be a yes. And I got out there to go meet him. And he was in a tizzy again this day because he had a bad haircut. <laughs> making him leave to go to a church thing. And so I finally just kind of got him pulled aside. And I said, you know, it's really awkward for kids in that moment. I mean, he's 13 years old. He's being tossed around and he needs to know what family. And there's been so many people that have let him down in his life. And I just said, I just need to know if you want to come stay with us. If you do, we'll, we'll organize it. And if you don't, then that's okay too. And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. 
And that was it. And so within two days, we got my house completely rearranged. Once I moved upstairs, got Hakeem his bedroom, put his name on the wall. Like I wanted him to know that this was his forever home and that that was his bedroom, that that was, this is where he was supposed to be. And um, that's, that's how it started. (laughs) I love that you say that's how it started. Cause I think that we in the adoption community know that, especially when you're taking in an older kid like that, you know, there's, that's the beginning, that's the start. Uh, So yeah. Tell us about, you know, just your journey through kind of figuring the rest of it out, like Mm -hmm. up to now. Okay. So I will say, you know, going into it, like I've always been a person that kids are drawn to. And so I thought this is going to be easy, (laughs) right? Yeah. um, Definitely not easy, worth it, but not easy. And I will say that like immediately Hakeem started attaching to my kid. They started having those bonds and those relationships. And he's just the kind of kid he can, he never meets a stranger, but he was very, um, not necessarily a little standoffish to me, but not very respectful, um, to be honest, coming into it. He was very respectful of my husband. And then it took me a while to realize that the women in his life were the ones who had let him down. Mm. And so um, it took me a little bit. It was going to take me longer. And so it was very nice that my older boys, he got to see how my older boys treated me. I'm a very hands-on, lovey, touchy-huggy person. And so he got to see that. He got to see how my boys would treat me. And my boys would kind of my other boys would kind of put him in their play in his place too, at that moment, you know, of, you know, that's not the way we talk to mom or something like that. So it was very nice to have their role models as well as there too. Um, But I can just remember like the rebellious things. He would say stuff like, what if I punch out this window? What are you going to do? You're going to send me back? Like comments like that. Like he just wanted to know, was I going to send him back? And finally, I can remember one day in the car, this was months in, I mean, he still was just not real loving toward me, but a few months in, and I can remember pulling the car off to the side of the road when he made that comment. What if I do this? Are you going to send me back? And I can remember turning around to the back seat and grabbing his little chin and saying, I don't care what you do. You're going to have consequences, but you're never going back. You are stuck with us forever. Like we are your forever home. And I could just kind of feel the relief in him a little bit. Like he was just testing those waters. And in so many kids in the system, they get let down so many times. They have promises that aren't fulfilled. There were so many families that said that, you know, they wanted him, that they would take him in and yet it never came into fruition or something happened and they decided it wasn't a fit. And so they were, he was constantly being defeated by, you know, these things. And he just really needed to be tested. He was testing me to see if I was going to say who I, see if I was really going to be who I was and said who I was. And so it took a few months. And after that, he started to let us guard down a little bit. And it just took me showing him every day that love and showing him every day that consistency. I think so many times in parenting, it's easier to let the kids do whatever and and not spend the time. But I really focused on spending time with him, just like, you know, our other children and and letting him know that he was going to be just as one of the other kids in our family. And so um, now (laughs) here we are, you know, these years later, and it's definitely, definitely that way. Yeah. And I mean, it's the investment, just like what you said. And I think that, um, I think that I want to go back to something that you said at the beginning of your journey, which is just that you had these expectations that this was not going to be easy. And I think that for so many adoptive families, we, we look at, um, at families like yours, honestly, and, you know, we watch movies like the blind side and we think that it's, 
that the good parts are all that we're going to see that all are all that we're going to experience. And, you know, I, I had the honor of interviewing Leanne Tui and like hearing firsthand that that was not the case. Like it was not easy, but we look at that and we're like, Oh, look at that super cute multiracial family. I want that. But it's like, it's the work. It's the every day. It's the hard, hard, hard times where you don't know what's going to happen in the end, but you're still just putting in the work. Um, well, I think I it's know. the same, like with your biological kids too, you know, I mean, things get hard, but when things get hard, we don't get rid of our kids. Right. <laughs> like we don't, we don't, uh, you know, they hit 13, I'm done with them until they're 17. You know, that's not the way that it is. And so we have to trudge through those hard parts. And it's the same thing in the foster and adoption stages to me. Like sometimes I think it's the mindset you go in with. If we're just going to try this out, had I gone in with a, let's try this out mindset, I can promise you two months into this, I would have been like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but that wasn't the mindset that I went in with. I went in with the mindset, this is a forever and we're going to figure it out. And because of that, had I now looking back, I would have been devastated had I quit at two months, you know, just because of how far we've come now. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just that, I love that there's the full circle of like, this was a commitment up front. You knew it was going to be hard. You knew that it was going to take that commitment that you made at the beginning and not just the, like, we'll see how this goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, which is so important. So Tell me about your husband and your kids and their, I mean, I know that their process was different than yours. It was harder for you. And my experience is actually very similar. Um, our older son had a very similar uh, history with women. And so it was, it was harder for me. And um, what was, what was kind of their experience in their journey? Like, what did they see? Do you think that they, that they saw the sacrifice you put in, or do you think it was just like they're living life <laughs> My kids are very, very in tuned to me, all of them, especially, I mean, Hakeem now also. And um, it's just interesting because they could see how hard it was. They could see the the struggles day in and day out. They didn't have that in their relationship with him because their relationship was very good with him. They immediately bonded. I mean, all of them, all, all four kids are like, they ha- each have their own special relationship. And, um, and even with my husband, I, I know that there's like, we're, we're pretty tough parents. Like we expect very high. And so, um, Hakeem had a lot of standards to, you know, to, to live up to also. And I'm not going to, I think that that was a good thing because he knows still to this day, like I'm very involved in our community. Something happens at school. I would know before he got home. And so he was like, Oh dang, I got to keep my, I got to keep myself in line, you know? And so, but his, his brothers and sister would keep him accountable in that too. And their relationship has just been such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I I'm laughing because my kids just, they're in kindergarten and first grade and they just learned the rule of like, if something happens, I better hear it from you before I get a call from your teacher. Like we just had that hands-on lesson. And so now they like leap in the car telling me everything bad they did that day. And I'm like, okay, I don't care that you didn't raise your hand. when you <laughs> That's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. Uh, I think that, I mean, man, I think that it's great. And I think that so many people, uh, don't rise to the occasion and they especially don't rise to the occasion so much so that they feel comfortable letting others in, uh, especially not a million others in, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially with the fact that he's black and that you're Mm -hmm. opening yourself up to so much criticism, comfortable enough in your story and your journey to like, hand that precious cargo out into the world. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. 
Yes. So I'll, I'll, I'll touch on that here in a second, but I will, it reminded me when you said that, like dropping Aaliyah and Hakeem off at school, they're both the same age. And so like in middle school here, they were two 13 year olds that I would be dropping off at school. Um, she's actually a grade above him, but still, you know, people would see two, these two kids get out of my car, one, um, a white girl, one, a black boy. And, you know, they'd see him get out of my car and the faces that we would get, like, just the, like, what kind of mother are you, you know, like letting that boy stay the night or something. Like, I know that that's what was going through people's head. We live in a pretty small community, so it didn't take too long for people to know our story, but you know, you just, you do have some of that. And I think, um, especially with turning 40, I definitely have let go of what people think I used to be a people pleaser. And so that has had to be a huge part of my journey with being on social media. Mm -hmm. I know that God created me and the struggles that I have had are to be used for good for others. And so I feel like the more that I can share those, the better off, um, other people will be too. And so getting out there and sharing it on social media, it's not always something that is well liked by others. It's not always something that um, I'd say for the most part, yes, people are so supportive and people are just like how wonderful it is. But then you also always have your people on social media that are the trolls or the people who just want to chime in and just be really negative. Like I've had most people I can just kind of ignore, but I have had some really in-depth conversations with people who totally disagree with me and think that I'm raising my child in the wrong way because of his color, because of my color. You know, and um, so we've had some hard conversations with that and putting ourselves out there on social media. I know that it's a challenge, um, but for most for most people, it's looked at very well. And I think it's been pretty well received overall. Not always, but overall. Yeah, well, I think that and even you've touched on this a little bit in your videos that you clearly wouldn't be sharing this stuff without his permission and not that you're sharing even that deep of stuff on freaking TikTok, but you know, I mean, he's, he's in the videos with you. And I think that it's, it's sad when people take a situation where you're trying to do good and you're not even trying to be like savior good, but just, you're just literally trying to do the right thing and you're, you're demonized for it. And that kind of criticism can stop people in their tracks and it can prevent mm -hmm. people from going forward, especially prevent people from sharing. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's just, cool that you've been able to learn those lessons to persevere through that. And I've heard so many women say that turning 40 is like this magical, I don't care what people think anymore age. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it personally. <laughs> it is. I don't know what happens, but something, something happens. And I'm sure the whole social media thing definitely helped me get there faster too, because social media is just a place where you get critiqued no matter what. And people are going to have something to say, whether you're doing good or doing bad. And typically the people who are talking or the people who haven't or are talking negatively are the people who aren't out there in the trenches doing the do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How do you think um, that he feels now that he's on the side of adoption and now that he feels probably a little more permanency and he knows that his story is influencing so many people and probably influencing more adoptions to take place. And that's super cool. Like, does he care or is he excited about that? You know, I think at some point in his life, I think he's going to have a really big story to share himself. Yeah. And um, I, I really pray over that, that he has um, that you've seen him, you know, he has a contagious smile. He has a contagious personality. This kid never meets a stranger. And he's just truly amazing, honestly. And, um, you know, the things that we could be dealing with because of his past, we're not, you know, like we may be dealing with a, a messy room and too much Xbox and, you know, stuff like that. But we're not dealing with um, big issues. And I'm just so thankful for that. And to me, he loves to be at home. He's not trying to be out running around and all of that. He loves to be at home. And that is such a comforting thing for me because 
Um, I just know that he feels very comfortable here and I won't speak for him, you know, exactly, but I will say that he, you know, I know that he's very content where he is here. Um, we do have contact with his biological mom off and on. Um, it's not consistent, um, but we did actually get to meet, I did actually get to meet his mom and some family members last year when his grandmother passed mm -hmm. and it gave us the opportunity to meet and to see the way that he reacted during that time and how he reacted to me to them was a beautiful, like it makes me emotional. It was a beautiful thing because he's called me mom for a while now. And he introduced me as his mom to his biological mom. And that was beautiful for me. And just to see how um, protective he was of me showed me that appreciation. Um, he may not say it every day. He may not act like it every day, um, but he's also 17. <laughs> not all 17 year olds realize, you know, I know probably at 17, I didn't either realize, you know, all I had been blessed with. And so um, he shows me in other ways for sure. Yeah. And that reminds me shifting gears just a little bit to less of just adoption stuff, but also, I mean, you're like swimming in like, you know, deodorant and dirty clothes and hormones and what I imagine is a ridiculous grocery bill. Like just having teens, I think, you know, right now you're talking to a lot, a lot, a lot of adoptive moms with littles who are like, someday maybe I'll be there. Who knows? <laughs> what, what's it like to just, I don't know, kind of be on the other side of the kid years, but also, I mean, you have your own unique struggles right now like oh, the high grocery sure. bill and like the video the other day where he suddenly didn't like a food that he's liked all of his life or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always something with teens and I will say, you know, there's challenges at every step of the way for sure. And if I had any advice for you moms with young, young ones, um, because I am kind of through those young stages, it would be that, um, when it's serious to them, make it serious to you too, because that's how they learn to open up to you. And even if it was coming home from school and having a story about this happened to them and to us, it may sound silly um, that it means so much to them. But if it means so much to them, the more that we act like it means so much to us, too, and help coach them through that, help parent them through that, teach them through that, then they're going to come to us with all of those little things. And then they're going to come up to us with the big things. And that is something I've always um, I think being a young mom really helped me in that because I grew up with my oldest, basically, you know, um, I had him when I was 17. And so being a young mom was something that I, I just kind of, I always was very open. Um, I had a wonderful upbringing, but my parents weren't very open as far as conversations go with the hard stuff. And so um, that's something I wanted to do different. And I will say that that's a huge thing. My, I'm so open. My husband gets aggravated sometimes with how open I am, you know, just about all the subjects because he's a little more closed off, but our kids come to us with every single thing and Hakeen is no different. I mean, as soon as he's talking to a girl, he comes in and I get the nitty gritty about this girl and he wants my opinion. He wants that. And you don't see that often in teens and, um, you know, wanting that from their parents. And yet that is the relationship I have. And he's seen that with the other kids too. Oh, I love that. That's so encouraging. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here with, two kindergartners and a first grader. And I, I kind of like, I feel the same way just when they get in the mm -hmm. car, I'm like, okay, if I listen to their stories about nothing, then hopefully <laughs> right. they will tell me the stories that are important later. You know, yes. like if, I'm just, I'm trying to think of an example, but yeah. you know, if I can, yeah, 
hear about the there are struggles too, just so you know. There are struggles too with sure. you know a lot of different things, but they're they're little struggles and it's you know, watching your kids you at some point you can't do everything for them, letting them grow up, letting them have their own lives and knowing that you're gonna have to watch some of the hurt that they incur and that's bad. You know, that's a hard position right now. I feel like that that's the hardest position is, you know, we've had got to watch some breakup and our kids, you know, and heartbreak. And that's tough. That's tough to watch your kids go through that. And yet, you know, it's a part of life and um, moving forward into to who they're supposed to become. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much, so many good things. Um, okay. Are you cool with these closing questions? Sure. Okay. Uh, if you could go back and talk to younger Jill, what would you say? Just the beginning of this journey. What do you wish you could tell yourself? Um, I think that there's light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) that, you know, you mentioned earlier about grace and I think giving yourself grace for sure. That is a huge thing, giving yourself that grace, but that there's light at the end of the tunnel and just to, to be consistent with sticking it out because there's beautiful things to come from it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, what do you wish you had done differently? I honestly don't think there's anything I would have done differently. I'm, I'm big on, you know, what choices you make lead you to where you're at and that's a part of your journey. And so I don't think I would have done anything necessarily different. Um, I was just trying to think if there's anything, I don't think so. I think, I think it's all a learning process. No, I think that's great. Um, okay. What is your very favorite way that your tribe has supported you through this? You know, you said you're so involved in your community. Was it, was it meals? Was it laundry? Was it just listening? What was it? Yeah, I would say, um, mainly it was family for sure. You know, like I didn't know how our family would be. We literally got Hakeen on, um, Christmas Eve of 2017. So nobody even knew like, when we went to our family get togethers, like we just told people like that day, like, Hey, we've got a new child. <laughs> um, so he'll be at Christmas and everybody was so supportive. Like they knew the day before and everybody like went and bought gifts. And, you know, I just really talked to them. Like if he doesn't react the way that you want him to react, just to give him some grace too, because you just never know what that's going to look like, you know? And, um, that my, our families have been so supportive. Our friends have been so supportive and, you know, it's not like having a young one where you need a lot of, um, you know, like meals and that kind of thing. Like it's just the day to day and it's mainly the support that they give you and the teachers at school and the, you know, the grace that they can give and the people helping with, with things just that they can, because they know the situation that was so, that was so helpful to us. Yeah. Oh, so good. And yeah. I don't know. We, we, it, the day-to-day is so hard. You're right. And I think that it is those like little kind of like mental struggles almost that you're like, I just need you to believe me and like, listen to me yeah. and <laughs> give me some like grace to feel crazy right now or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. What was your, what's your least favorite way? And, you know, again, you're a pretty public facing person. So I imagine that you have so, a few least favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the least favorite way is questioning, um, my parenting, you know, questioning that because of my color, I'm not capable of raising a child of another color. And that is, um, that's very disheartening to me because I do try very hard to put him around people especially men. I put, I work hard to put him around black men because I was successful black men. I want him to see what that's like and to know, you know, it's not that I'm just hiding him through this white lens that I'm hiding him and what he is as far as color and all of that, you know, and I'm also not going to teach him to be afraid though. Um, 
everyone, I, I want him to see the good in people. I don't want him going out to, to just start seeing the negative in people. He already has that naturally in him. And so I think that would be probably one of the, the biggest things I would say is questioning, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing it right, or if we're doing it right, or if we're educating him, we've had some pretty nasty messages, even from people locally, you know, like, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? And, um, you know, that's, that, that can be a struggle. Um, and at the same time, I, I try to turn everything to where it could be used for good. And I try to really get into conversation with those people and, and ask questions. Sometimes the people don't deserve my time. And sometimes I feel like they do. And if I feel like that, if my story can help someone, then I will get into those deep conversations. And sometimes I just ignore it. Yeah. Well, as we, you know, obviously some listeners are your age, but as women like me trudge toward that number, uh, 40, like, I think that that's such a good reminder of like, some people are worth your time and some people are not. And if you can put people in those two categories, uh, that's a good place to start. Cause I think that the, the stress over like, oh, I've got to fix everything and everyone's yes. perception is so hard. Yes. I've gone through a lot of personal growth in my um, years. I I work for the Juice Plus company and that's something they're big on is personal growth and personal development. And I can promise you that without the personal development that I take part in every year, I probably could would not be the mom that I am today. And so I'm thankful for those teachings that I've had along the way that has helped me to realize some of those things that I have to let go of the outcome with people. I can just share what I can share and let go of the outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, final question, just to wrap it up. If you had one piece of advice or encouragement for an adoptive mom in the trenches listening right now, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, that it's worth it, (laughs) that it's worth the fight. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the tears. It's worth the pain. It's worth all of that. All of those negative emotions that we get. Um, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to look at the situation and be so thankful that you stuck it out. And I think that that that's the most important thing because there are hard roads. (laughs) There are hard roads ahead of each of us. And um, especially for you young mamas and not knowing what lies ahead, you know, as far as that goes, but there are such, there's such good times too to come. And so to just stay the course. (laughs) Oh, such good stuff, Jill. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing with us. And um as always, Jill and I are about to go have a really fun conversation for my listeners over on Patreon. I'm super excited for that. Uh, I hope you'll join us at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash Patreon. But for everyone else, Jill, can you tell us just where we can follow along and how we can find you? Yeah. So if you go to um, Instagram, it's authentically Jill. And if you go to TikTok, it's Jill Wagner 81. I know those should all be the same, but they're not. So TikTok is Jill Wagner 81. I do have a second account there that's authentically Jill, but I've mainly post on the, the first one. And we'd love for you to come and just follow us and um, give us likes and comments on there because it's so fun to watch people get engaged in that. Yeah. And she is you guys such a fun follow so definitely go do that uh okay and of course those links will be in the show notes thank you so much jill for sharing with us this was so so good thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast i hope you found encouragement here i need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job we are all in this together and i am over here cheering you on Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.